What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Drunk Boys Basement, where the drunk conversations happen. Well, this one's going to be a little different because we have a camera now. It's kind of true. Uh, definitely a different experience for everyone yeah. uh, involved. <laughs> so this this episode's uh, special because we're joined by um, a friend who was introduced to me through Ray, who most of you are familiar with now. Leo, I want to I want to say your last name, but I'm terrified of butchering it. Is it Olivaria? Almost. No, no. It's think of aloe vera, uh, but with an olive. Aloe vera. There you go. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> take me a minute to. So, um, you're a veteran. Um, you have probably an extensive background in the military and um, lots of other things in life. We were talking before the show about uh, where you were born and all that. One of the things that um, I just wanted to dive straight into is. So you were part of Vet Cave. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to just kind of explain what that is and how you got into that? Because I'm, I'm very curious. Ray was telling me a little bit about it, but uh, that was a couple months ago. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll basically with the Vet Cave, it, it started out as a, a coincidence between two battle buddies, right? Really? We both, uh, Matt Bernal and I were the founders of the Vet Cave and we both got out of the army and started having individual struggles. Mm. And uh, it was it was a tough time for him. Um, I found myself isolating a lot in my shed. And uh, really? um, I was I once I powered a, a TV to it, I was watching Premier League reruns. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just spot. <laughs> just isolating and smelled like gasoline. <laughs> yeah, it's a regular shed. And, um, and I was there a lot and I had a close friend uh, or you know he doesn't live anymore Ariel Torres he passed away but he came into the vet cave and he looked up and was like we should pimp this shed out you know <laughs> and I liked that idea and so me and my uncle we started working slowly on on getting this shed then mm. and one of these days I'm checking in on Matt who I knew also wasn't doing too well mm. you know uh, he has his own amazing story to tell but uh he uh he tells me, oh, I'm building this shed on my, in my backyard. I'm thinking I need some space, you know, somewhere I can go to. And, and I'm like, no way. I'm doing the same <laughs> thing, man. <You> know? <laughs> and so we started, uh, it, it just became this thing, you know, like we would FaceTime from our sheds and tell each other what we were, how we were doing things yeah, or yeah. decorating. Comparing it. your sheds. Yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah you know i'm gonna say something else <laughs> mine's bigger than yours you know and this and no but his is way cooler i think um and and it was just awesome you know like uh to be to have that experience and then it became him having a trigger or me having a bad time and mm-hmm. and thinking of him to call in those times of crisis and it happened to be that i was in my shed and he was in you and his now you know yeah and uh so that's kind of how it initially began. And I was working on my master's degree at Westminster College, uh, an MBA, and I had to do a capstone. Okay. And I was, I was really not sure what I wanted to do. And then all of a sudden it was right in front of me, you know, it was, yeah. why not, you know, do build these for veterans. And at first we, in my mind, you know, it was a reality TV show. It's a nonprofit reality TV show. It's self-sustained through viewing, you know, mm-hmm. and it, builds these uh, small mini homes or, or sheds for veterans in their backyards. And we can teach them how to 
run a business out of that space and and then uh you know just help them regain a sense of identity a sense of yeah. purpose and because we become this badass community we can all pitch in and yeah, help this veteran be successful you know and and that was the the pitch you know and 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 the school liked it and so when i graduated i i told matt you know hey i'm going to run with this you you want to do this and and he he was you know he was in as well because he had his yeah. already yeah. and uh it was just a really amazing experience, you know, uh, and then Josh Enfield, uh, another great friend of mine from the military, uh, came over. He was he used to work for Congress and was a huge help for me as well and for a lot of veterans, really. And uh, he came over as a board member and then Dave Kent as well. One of the he's a civilian, but very much a supporter of veterans and and, you know, most of the business he does and yeah. in his personal life and just we formed this amazing team and set out to do good really not knowing how hard it is to start a nonprofit, you know and uh, yeah. and to balance off all that I, I i bumped into scott ashcroft he's a another board member as well an army vet and a soccer lover i mean we both share bum knees <laughs> and uh but uh yeah he he came on board with a lot of also good structure for building helping us build our website and everything yeah. from scratch you know just trying our best to try to do some good in the world. And, <clears throat> and so th that's kind of how it began, you know, just us uh, wanting to do something. Um, Matt and I started visiting some of our battle buddies that were out mm -hmm. of the military, kind of yeah. like representing the vet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, um, yeah we, we'll build your shed, you know. And I'm all scared, promising stuff. <laughs> yeah. knowing, not really knowing what nonprofits, you know. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> and, uh, oh, we need money. Um, and so then uh, Matt and I went and visited a buddy of ours in Delta and uh, we're hanging out with him and Nate had just gone through some uh, pretty intense things with his health and uh, you know, had had some surgery and we had committed to going and visiting him mm -hmm. as, you know, representing the vet cave and yeah. all, and, um, but really just as his friends, his brother and um, Nate's an amazing guy, you know, he had fallen down the day before. He, he struggles to walk by himself and fell down, was all hurt and still hang out with us, you know, just yeah. that type of caliber of human being. And mm -hmm. Matt looks in the backyard and sees this old shed back there. And he goes, hey, Leo, I mean, the structure's there already, <laughs> man. We He's just, got the foundation, man. We just got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we came up with a plan. Dave Kent actually had an awesome plan on this. Uh, I ended up doing a water fast for 22 days whoa just water 22 days and dave was like every day at my house you know just feeding me with the human experience you know connection and we were doing some level of really bad trying technology type yeah yeah you know it sucked like the way we tried days? but we did our best you know Jeez. and i think we captured some good stuff you know it was very life-changing uh we raised some money and we were able to knock out delta project delta you know <laughs> for you. that's awesome that's that's super cool 22 days yeah man. 22 days jeez i can barely go like four hours man try try uh try it man <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I, not 22 <laughs> but go for five five jeez. so you just consume water that's all you do all i did was drink water it was something else wow it was uh it was transcending for sure yeah like, yeah it uh i don't know there yeah it was just a powerful experience yeah, you know like that uh 
it was uh, very debilitated. You know, I obviously yeah, yeah. I wasn't working out and I wasn't Absolutely. someone that was active at the time either because I had some injuries. Mm -hmm. But talk about like our like joint pain and, and yeah. stomach uh, inflammation or any type of inflammation was gone. Yeah. You know, I felt so healthy and, and uh, enlightened in many ways. Uh, I, I experienced real hunger, you know, self-inflicted hunger. Mm -hmm. And I gained an appreciation for not just not food necessarily, man, but just uh, the day to day of people that hustle and struggle, you know, where yeah, they, yeah. we were talking about Africa earlier today mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of hungry people in the world. And that was very uh, humbling, humbling yeah. and uh, motivating for me to try to feed people. And I think in ways the vet cave is one of those because we want to teach people to become self-reliant and, yeah. you know, that sense of independence. And, um, and as an update on Nate, by the way, he's doing great. Oh, good. Um, he uh, went through a few other uh, visits at the doctor, but mm -hmm. He's on his feet, man. Uh, he felt inspired after we connected him with an awesome community member uh, that she's a life coach. And okay. he felt so inspired in life coaching that he pursued his own license. She helped him out. Good for him. And uh, he now focuses on or specializes on veterans for the most uh, people that it has, have experienced trauma. Yeah. PTSD. And he's uh, running together with uh, another buddy, uh, Adam, another army guy. Uh, mm -hmm. he, uh, he's part of the DAV, but and I'll talk about that a little bit about interconnecting with these nonprofits, but yeah. uh, he, uh, you know, they're both running this vet cave huddles okay. where we just kind of, you know, it's a, kind of like this, a space where people can just talk whatever, Yeah. you know, like uh, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it's a, it's a place where people bitch about wives, you know, or, or spouses, but it I shouldn't mean, be, but, it should, but I mean, you know, but we talk about things that do that are common, you know, like yeah. uh, because Sometimes, man, when you're dealing with PTSD or, or, or you're in a bad state of mind, you think it's everyone else's fault. Yeah. So it's nice to check in with people that you trust at a safe place where, hey, am I wrong for thinking like this? What do you guys think? Give me your honest assessment, you know, with love, please. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a safe place and we try to keep it that way. Uh, Good. Know, open for people. And Nate and Adam do a great job um, doing that. But yeah, Nate's doing great. Like I said, uh, he... Uh, can't remember what he had to go through some type of experience uh, with a chemo. Oh, and so geez. he had to isolate from his family and guess where he got to isolate and stay warm. The vet. Cave. Yeah. You know, That's he's running his meetings out of there. That's awesome. You know, man. it's just, uh, it, it met its purpose. And uh, when we set out, we didn't know what our values were. It was kind mm -hmm. of an idea for the MBA yeah. project, but they definitely became you know, they became us and, and we became the vet cave in many ways as a community. Uh, we, we realized as we did it that we were becoming a community, yeah. you know, and, and that we had this sense of purpose that was driving us. It was, it was we, everyone that was involved in Delta felt like they were on a mission. Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It was so cool. It, it felt purpose, like drill, yeah. but without the bullshit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like training. Yeah, man. It, it was. Uh, and so we gained that sense of purpose and identity and, and the community was there. And it just that's what it became, you know, a lot of empowerment and a lot of ideas, a lot of things we want to do. But one one little thing at a time. That's I the, I think my favorite thing about what you just said is you, you set out, you know, to build these these environments for these veterans. But really what it turned into is more of a community, you know, mm -hmm. of bringing people together. And, um, 
I think that's, I, I mean, I, I thought the idea that when Ray was telling me this, I was like, that is the cool, like you never think of that. Right. But a lot of people, you know, well, a lot of veterans probably have sheds that they don't have any use for. And well, now they do. <laughs> or a basement <laughs> yeah. that isn't finished or, a, you know, a room in the house. Just a space. And so how long were you in the army for? It was uh, almost nine years, nine and a half years. Nine and a half years. What prompted you to want to get into that? Huh. Um, so I'm originally from Brazil. Right. Okay. Uh, lived in Mexico for about eight years, played some ball there, and, mm-hmm. and then ended up here at uh, Brigham Young. Okay. Didn't like it. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I it just, uh, I wasn't a good fit for the, yeah, the school. The, the culture, right? Yeah. Okay. I, some parts, some aspects, but some on others I wasn't, you yeah. know, and and that's you. fine it's, it's not for everybody yeah. it's still a great school um i prefer the you <laughs> <laughs> but uh i went there for three semesters um had an interesting experience at a at a t-mobile store um where i was told to go back to my country you know mm. and and that really hurt it stung a little bit really you know I, and so i wanted to have a sense of earning my citizenship if there was a way and um so I went through the recruiting office and, you know, they have like the Coast Guard and you just go down the yeah. line and I asked questions to all of them. Um, didn't meet the standards for the Air Force. I was a little too, at the time I was very fit, mm-hmm. but I was, I was, I had a lot of muscle, you know, you play professional soccer, you gain some legs and, yep. and I, I, you know, the, the recruiter, his buttons were splurging and he said, I couldn't get in, which is fine. <laughs> went to the coast guard i had a self-inflict i did a, a hand tattoo when i was oh, and I did a 12 that. year old you know <laughs> could get into the coast guard you can't have uh, tattoos on you know at some point on your arms or something uh-huh. at the time that was the regs yeah um went into the army learned about them and then i didn't necessarily go all the way to the marines i went to the national guard and uh, this guy set up an appointment i thought it would be good to talk to them i, I like the idea of uh the local militia type stuff, the, yeah. the community type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that as I went through the vet cave, I, I realized more and more I'm, I'm this, I'm very passionate about organizing communities. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it made sense to go into the national guard and be more focused on our, on what we can control here locally and, mm-hmm. and try to be of service. So I, I love my experience, man. And, you know, if I ever run for governor here in Utah, uh, I'll probably use that as an example to help immigrants earn a citizenship at some point, you know, give some service through the state militia and earn that, you know. Well, you got my vote. I'll try to run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need some communication people, someone to run video. Yeah, too. yeah we've got, yeah, <laughs> got you. you got Sean. He'll, he'll help okay. you out. <laughs> Sit here, take care of all the technical stuff. Yeah, that's it. I'll say a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, so what uh, did you, did you get deployed? Um, I never had a chance to deploy. I was kind of uh, to at least to Afghanistan or Iraq. Okay. I started out as a power generator mechanic in the field artillery. Okay. Uh, 214th was the maintenance unit. And, you know, I was like five months of school, man. But it was either power generator, uh, cook, or laundry specialist. Laundry specialist. <laughs> and I grew up not even washing my own sheets. I was not going to wash it for someone. Not else. doing it for you. Yeah. And so I not very technical, but I thought, let me go learn something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, which ends up being what connects me with Matt too at our unit. Right. I see. But, uh, he, uh, so I go to, to this uh, power generator thing, come back to my unit in the field artillery and they have no generators, man. And it's like, guess what? You got a chance to reclass. 
So I was, I felt very fortunate in that sense. Right. You know, yeah. I, I love the, the experience being out in the field. You mm -hmm. know, we went to Dugway and all these other remote places where they would blow stuff up and, and that was really cool, but I still had all my teeth on me and I was ready for something else. And then, so the opportunity came and uh, I went into the military intelligence group. As I move, the triple deuce to place, you know, mm -hmm. um, move to uh, the one, just the 300th military okay. intelligence group with the National Guard. And right away, got a full-time job doing some cool stuff with Portuguese and Spanish. Um, you know, just some, uh, just three-letter agency type stuff. And it was really, really, it was really amazing, man, just to see how much we're in the details of, of, of things going on around the yeah. U.S., you know? Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I did that for, I, it was four and a half years. Four and a half years. That work, yeah. And, and that was, that was, that was good. A lot of fun times. Uh, I got to go to Africa. Reason why I brought Guinness this yeah. time. Uh, West Africa, man, you either get the 33, which mm -hmm. 33, I'm not, a, I don't speak French, or you get Guinness. And so I thought, if we're going to talk about Africa, we're going to get some Guinness. Yeah. Get some Guinness. And yeah, I got to go three times to Africa. And really, so, really good time. A lot of different trainings. Uh, always ready, you know, the, the military will have you coiled up, mm -hmm. ready to deploy. And it's all about that preparedness, that readiness. And so it always was my goal to just uh, get a chance to go and put things to practice. I went through a 35 Mike school and uh, 35 Papa school. It's a human intelligence, signals intelligence. So interrogations and, wow. and to, uh, you know, things like collecting intelligence from people or information or just listening in, eavesdropping on enemy conversation. And, and, uh, and, and those were some fun stuff, man. That's stuff awesome. that you wouldn't think a, a international student with 20 bucks in his pocket <laughs> would end up doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, he, when he sucked at BYU with a 1.3 GPA, it was, yeah. That's, uh, that's you, you've lived a colorful life for sure <laughs> when you look back on it. That's, that's impressive. What, um, so nine years, and then you did four years in intelligence, but nine years total, I assume, right? It was eight and a half. Eight yeah, and nine eight. years, something like that. Uh, I uh, ended up sustaining a neck injury, uh, bulge discs in my neck, and it was hard to, you know, basic soldier stuff, uh, exercise. I, I, I was just uh, not in a good place in my mind. Mm -hmm. I had experienced some other level of trauma as well through uh, uh, just uh, some uh, incident in the army as well. You know, and so just not very uh, mentally healthy, uh, very angry at home. And, uh, you know, I went through the medical board and they determined that it was best that I would be medically separated from the military. And, you know, you're given the chance to continue on a profile and, and uh, a profile means you don't have to do physical activities yeah. or things like that. But, you know, I, I played pro soccer and I, I've coached youth. And one of the things that I think is amazing is to be able to demonstrate what you're asking. And if you can't demonstrate it as a leader, then I don't think that's the best leader for the job, you know? So, yeah. So oh, that's a fair point. The guard was full. They didn't need another E6 there. So I, I hope I opened up room for younger blood, you know, yeah. does it, um, I have some, some veteran friends and, um, I have one in particular that, um, he was medically separated from the Marines and that medical separation devastated him. He had a lot, he had a, he had a rougher childhood, but, um, so he kind of, he used the Marines as, um, you know, 
a formation of brotherhood trying to find a sense of belonging and he found it i mean he has some really great friends um that he still communicates with from the um the marines but one of the things that i remember is he went through some really hard um really hard times because he got mentally he uh really mentally screwed up from the separate he i think he blew out his rotator cuff and was doing something else he was on um i think he was doing artillery or something i can't remember his couple mm -hmm. years but he hurt himself pretty bad and the Marines, the, yeah, the medical board came and said, you know, I think it's best that uh, you step back and in a couple of years or whenever you start feeling better, feel free to, you know, come back and reapply and do all that stuff. And he just, it, it just screwed him up. So. Yeah. The, the military has a way of doing that. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately I feel like they send you back into civilian life, not very prepared for what's coming and uh, I, but it's not necessarily their fault you know it's a huge organization oh yeah huge organization and honestly it's uh, what I've come to realize um, as I left was the sense of loneliness because the guys I knew weren't calling anymore mm. you know and I here I was struggling trying to understand what the hell is going on HR violation waiting to happen at you know EMC or pure storage or right. the places I work you know mm -hmm just out of control and trying to figure out why can't I pay attention? So they put you on Adderall or why can't I sleep? So they put you on some shit, you know, or my neck hurts. So they put you on a muscle relaxer throw, and then, throw medication at you. And then gabapentin comes in, which they like to throw and all the other pills kick in, you know, and, and next thing you know, you're just waiting to explode, man. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about, um, why do you think that the, the government just does, I mean, they do what they can for veterans, but why, why do you think that with such a high rate of veteran suicide and all this kind of stuff, I mean, I, I, have they gotten any better at, you know, prepping veterans into or prior military personnel and coming back into civilian life, or is it still kind of just a, well, good luck? No, you know, I, I think they're trying there. There's a, there's a big focus on resiliency training mm. and from conversations with people that are in still, that are master resiliency trainers they're telling me that they've changed their focus to post-traumatic growth which is very much what the vet cave is about right is uh, um, trying to post-traumatic growth is what did you actually accomplish after that trauma what how much have you grown from that rather than how much that has destroyed you and and that resonates so well and i hope they're making a huge focus on that yeah but uh, I felt like I had some resiliency training, some tools, you know, to be able to cope with things. But uh, we're tough, you know, you're not going to just go to your, as a matter of fact, if you go to your company commander, unfortunately, and I have plenty of friends that have shared their stories, it wasn't my case, but people are seen as, you know, they're just trying to get out or they're just trying to, they're pretending or they're lying, you know, and, wow. and so if you've seen those examples and you're struggling, you're not going to go. Oh do yeah. That. Yeah. That's true. Your paycheck depends on something. You're not going to go say that, you know, unfortunately everyone's in paranoia there, yeah. you know, and out veterans are always scared. They're going to lose their benefits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this misinformation with everything. I think in the sense of like, what if I report my mental health, am I going to lose my clearance or, if I'm a veteran, hundred percent disabled, do I, do I have to give up my guns, you know, uh, like, yeah. or I don't know, you know, there's just so many misinformed 
things going out there and I don't have all the answers myself but I, I would say that's kind of the state of things is just lack of information you know when um <clears throat> in your particular experience when did you decide that you were just sick and tired of being sick and tired um my uh wife was ready to go mm. my kids were in the basement all the time because dad was home oh. and uh i just didn't want to be that dad you know i didn't yeah. no way i i wanted to be that angry dad or repeat that cycle and you know and, and when i say cycle it's because you know i was that angry guy yeah and that cave came in a way where it was a blessing and you know for me oh, yeah. it was like my healing experience in many ways but i'll credit a lot of it to a different nonprofit, heroes haven okay. and uh, frank devito and paul diamond and uh, they uh they founded something amazing that helps veterans uh address the themes that are mm -hmm. underneath the theme yeah uh -huh. okay i get that and when i talk about cycles you know moving that anger forward it's it's all the childhood trauma man it's the adult children in us you know there's a lot of men walking around there that aren't really men yeah they're not taking personal accountability for themselves for their acts their emotions and you know a lot of that was me and the military that's a i think I'm not going to say that they target those people, but a lot of people in the military are adult children. Mm. It's a perfect place to gain validation. You're okay with the physical abuse. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Punish me. Yeah. But give me some validation. Give me a coin. You in many ways, uh, uh, I think an adult child can thrive in the military because of those things. And, you know, they're great at taking orders and, and doing things, you know, but, uh, that doesn't work at home. You no, can't get no. home and, and be Mr. Drill Sergeant at home. And man, I knifed my kid at the age of two, you know, like with yelling at him. And, and uh, that isn't cool. And no. uh, so, you know, I learned how to sing Baby Shark at Hero <laughs> Haven and uh, didn't believe much in God until I found some personal love, some self-compassion and uh, some pretty good tools at that, at that program up in uh, the National Ability Center here in Park City. But I came home just so excited, man, to be a dad, you know? And, and I can say like, it's probably last three, four years. My son's now almost 12, the oldest. But it's been like four years that I learned how to be a dad. And wow. up until then, there was this heightened sense of duty, yeah. you know, but also fear, you know, overprotective, uh, you know, checking my doors all the time and yeah, yeah. not being able to sleep. Had to train my kids not to just come through the door because that might be a bad that idea. might yeah so our door is always locked you know but they knock you know they they we've had to learn how to do some workarounds but and the tools are helpful and you know just to kind of jump into the va a little bit i don't know if this is moving it but it's a big place and yeah. you can get lost very quickly yeah. you know if there's one thing that I think the, the military service member that's about to get out needs to understand is your mental health, you staying alive, you know, you feeding yourself, you staying healthy is on you 100%. Hmm. No drill, no sergeant's going to come tell you you're fat. No one's going to come tape you. No one's going to come push you to go to your mental health appointment. You know, it's on you. And if you miss one, two, three appointments, well, you know, that that's on you too. Yeah. You know, the VA can only do so much. 
So 100%, it's about showing up every time when you go to the VA. It's hard to get into the VA. Um, and that's why I'm going to throw out the name Adam Richardson and uh, the guys up at uh, the Disabled American Veterans, another nonprofit. That's a great place to start. You know, if you are trying to even figure out, uh, hey, I, I don't even have a DD-214 to prove that I served. Well, go, go, to, go to the Disabled American Veterans or the, I can't remember the name of the other organizations there. I wish I did right now, but, um, you know, the Purple Heart Foundation mm -hmm. is another yeah. one. Uh, but, uh, you know, go see them because they, they have all the tools, man. They can, they'll help you out, you know, where you weren't helped. Uh, people are used to being helped in the military. Yeah. So that's probably a good place to start for those listening if they're trying to get somewhere. And even if they have a rating that they don't feel they deserve, man, because the army will leave you pretty messed up. Yeah. You know, you showed up there hundred percent ready for service. You maintained yourself ready until you got injured or hurt or, or something happened, you know? And, and so um, there's, there's, you know, ways that you, people get compensated there at the VA or get taken care of for those injuries. And um, <laughs> um, not all injuries, not all, um, you know, scars are visible to the eye. Yeah. And so there's no shame in not being an amputee or, or not having been exposed to Agent Orange or yeah. whatever the situation is, you know, the VA is there for everybody, man every veteran and so don't 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 wait because 22 veterans commit suicide every day and that's perhaps the ones that the va is tracking there could be a lot more it's yeah an ugly it's, number it, it's not it's a, it's a horrible number and i think that um one of the things that i thought was super cool um is you know when when ray was working at the gym was having you guys come in doing those veteran workouts because no matter the thing that I thought was impressive as much like your um, explanation on, on the, you know, vet cave, the core foundation of vet cave is that that was still a community. The biggest thing that I see with veterans is these guys just, they gravitate toward each other, you know, and, and you, I, I, you're familiar with that obviously. And, but it's just this, the sense of belonging. And that was one of the things that I was drawn to when I was younger, getting into the military. The problem I had is the commitment. I just, I just didn't know if I could commit, but the thing that I always thought was super fascinating is the sense of brotherhood. No matter, no matter if it's some random guy that is from South Carolina that you've never met before is now your battle buddy. And he's one of your best friends, you know, and that kind of sense of belonging makes a lot of sense. But I think to your point about being adult children, the military, I have, I have friends that are still in the military that weren't exactly the most mature when they got in. And I can't imagine it's going to be any better when they're out but hopefully hopefully i mean there there's some good uh if you know if they became ncos non-commissioned yeah. officers hopefully there was some good indoctrination but they'll probably be assholes <laughs> especially those damn marines man i uh no i have a good friend who's in the air force um and he's uh very disciplined and you can tell that it's there's it's interesting to look at the different scales of of people that were in and out of the militaries you have people that just kind of you know need something to do and wanted to pay for college yeah. have other people that really value the country and what they're doing. And then you have other people that just want a sense of belonging, you know, it's a mixed bag. And I think that's, what's so interesting about the military um, in general, but overall, I mean, one of the things that we were talking about before, especially with veterans and you obviously could speak more on this, but 
men in general have a hard time getting help, right? And I can only imagine that that plight is much more intense when you're a male veteran mm-hmm. because, you know, you're, you just, you have this sense of self when you're in the military and then you're out of it and you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And that identity crisis, you know, really hits hard. I think from my outside perspective, obviously, you know, but um, was that pretty difficult for you to, to, to get help? Or was it just more of a, you know what, I'm sick of feeling like shit. I need to do something. And much like you talked about wanting to be a dad. I mean, that was, your kids were obviously a huge motivator for that, right? And your wife. But what about the veterans that don't have those motivators? Right? They don't have kids. They had a girlfriend, but. They're out of there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one, man. It's hard to, to reconnect with something once you get out you know, because maybe that something isn't there anymore, or um, I can speak for myself, um, just because I was a dad, or just because I I was a husband, you know, or, or uh, had some other egos that I had worn, or hats that I had worn, Mm. I still didn't have an identity when I got out, I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I grow up, I still didn't know what made me happier, what motivated me, you know, the one thing I did know, though, is the days that I laid in bed, and I didn't want to get up, um, it was just the thought of my kids, man, because someone had to put food in that plate and put it on the table, and so that consistently got me up, that was my why, but that was my why for the military as well, and anything yeah. I did, yeah, you know, that's fair, uh, or anything in life so far since they were born, but what has helped me, though, you know, is uh, trying to connect with, I try to go back to the, some times that I remember that were happy. Mm. And for me, 16 to 19, man, were some of the best times of my life playing minor league professional soccer in Mexico. You know, it was some of the greatest uh, years of my life, if not the greatest, you know? And um, so then I decided to set myself some goals. I got out at 265, 100, uh, 265 pounds. I was, I was very unhealthy. Mm fatty liver and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm healthy now, but, um, I'm working on it and, and I reconnected with my soccer. Like I have this intense desire to be the best over 40 amateur soccer player in Utah. And I'm 38 yesterday. Oh, happy know? birthday. Thank you. <laughs> happy birthday. I got two years to work to them and I'm sure there's great players out there, man. And I'm sure that, uh, there's more talented people here in Utah than me, but it doesn't matter. They're no. not going to match my work ethic. And, and, and that's my goal. I have to set those big goals. I'm trying to reconnect with the part of my identity that made me very happy. And what I'm finding is that every day at the gym, I'm loving it. it it's making me feel, um, you know, energetic, happy, uh, focused, motivated. Um, and it goes back to Ray. You're in church. In church. Yep. You know, we, uh, the VECA, we've been telling these stories of veterans in the community and their post-traumatic growth mm-hmm. experiences. And we did Ray as a f- first episode. Uh, I can share the link with you guys. Yeah, later. that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love um, to hear that. But uh, we want to do more of these stories, you know, and, and, and the highlight these veterans in the community. But it's the Iron Church, man. Yeah. Uh, going to that gym in the mornings has made a huge, huge difference. And Granted, I'm using like a pink band for hip flexors <laughs> and a yoga ball and I 
I'm on the bike and I'm, but I'm doing 45 minutes on the bike and I'm, and I'm the nastiest student in there, you know, you're, but you're there. <sighs> you're there though. That's but I'm the there thing. every day. Yeah. Man. And I don't feel guilty at night when the clock hits at work, you know, it's time to be done. I, I'm tired. No, that's, that's, that, that goes back to what you're saying though, is when you're showing up for yourself. Yeah. Right? If you're not, if you're not showing up for anybody at the very least show up for yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, speaking on my personal terms, the gym has had a huge impact on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the stability aspect of it. It's always there and you can always go and just, and even if, I mean, instances I've gone and I just have no motivation to work out, but I'll try and I'll, you know, talk to some of the mutual friends that I have there. It's a huge, it's a huge deal to work out and to just mm-hmm. have that one thing to focus on. And it's something that I look forward to. I'm sure you do too, you know, and oh, yeah, um, I drive up the hill here from the rec center gagging. Yeah. <laughs> I work myself to puke. I need to take, probably have some more breakfast. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it, man. It's like uh, to know that you push yourself. You yeah, know, I did something I, because I'm owning it that moment. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so, and that's what I was going to say for, to your question. You know, for guys that don't have a family, or you know, I think the Iron Church is a pretty play, cool place to start, man. And and that could mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It could mean have a plan to fix yourself. Yeah, like I'm on a track of. I had face surgery this year. I had an ankle surgery earlier this year and I couldn't progress. I can't run yet because I have a full-blown meniscus here on my knee. Jesus. So now I got another surgery, but that's okay because I'm just getting closer and closer to being the best over 40 amateur soccer player here in Utah. It's amazing. You know, and it's, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's awesome, man. That's I, I like I like how positive you are about not only just about your your health, but just your outlook on life. I mean, I'm sure that that probably this probably would be a very different conversation, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's good. That's the thing that I think is so incredible is you can you can sit here and this goes for a lot of other people that go through similar um, circumstances in their life. But you can sit here and say, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I have you know shit that occurred, but. I made it through. I'm still here and I'm pushing forward. And that's kind of, you know, when you, when you talk about mental health in a generalistic sense, that's kind of everyone's struggle, right? But veterans have it just a little bit more difficult just because they have so many other aspects that are played into this mental health thing. Whereas you can have people that have seasonal, seasonal depression and, and other stuff like that. But I really commend veterans much like yourself that were like, yeah, it was, it was shitty for a while, but I was able to get out of it. Yeah. You know, and um, it's, as you know, it's, you know, it's a blessing that you had your wife and your kids that, you know, they stuck by you, even though you probably were like, eh, Didn't deserve it, yeah, you know, and yeah. I, I think that's an incredible story. And overall, I think that it has a lot to do with how strong it, it says a lot about how strong you and other veterans are internally, whether you feel like it or not. At the end of the day, a lot of people can look in from the outside and say, you're fucking made of nails like you know and and again you've had days i'm sure where you're like i don't feel like that but then you get to the iron church and you're like hell yeah you know hell yeah that's where it's at that's where it's at and i dress myself up in soccer gear i put on my did i go through the whole routine i'm like uh i don't know it's just uh you got to have these rituals you know Mm, yeah speak to yourself and and uh you know the meditation thing the self-talk 
like I get pumped on like my leg starts hurting from this knee, you know, or I feel it popping or catching or, or the ankle starts to get sore. Yeah. And, and it's like, I just look at it like, hell no, it's not, you're it's not, not going to win this time, yeah, you know, and, done. and uh, so always trying to feed yourself with positive things is mm -hmm. good too. I remember my dad trying to play like some, church music on sunday and I, how much i disappointed that because it, <laughs> it meant that one it's sunday two, yeah tomorrow's monday yeah you know and yep. uh but uh it's important to always be feeding yourself with good music and, and good things you know that's what i'm trying to learn now is why was i so fat you know because i wasn't taking personal responsibility for my own <laughs> feeding i was just yeah. depending on mary making something or mm -hmm or you know whatever and there's a lot of uh owning your own life man it's yeah. uh it's about adulting about growing up you, know, you got doing do the it. damn thing right that's it. what it that's what it comes down to there's a process man do it but but i think at the end i mean what you were saying is like a ritual is so important it doesn't matter how small and that's you know going to therapy and trying to fix my own mental health that was one of the first things that we talked about was it doesn't matter how ridiculous other people think it is or even if, how ridiculous you think it is <laughs> have a ritual and the only thing when i was really at the height of my depression going back to the iron church that was the only thing that i was able to like drag my ass out to do mm. is I had such a routine up until then of going to the gym every day after work, every single day. And if I didn't go, then my depression would get worse and something fell off. And so that was the one thing I clung to throughout all my, and you know, it's not depression isn't fixed, but that was the one thing at the height of it that was just, I was holding on to. Hmm. And um, I've talked to a lot of other people that have similar experiences that, you know, the gym is really, and some therapists will talk to you like, well, that's not, you can't use that as an antidepressant. You kind of can though. Cause it's, it's just, you're, you, you, you just, like you said, you feel, you feel good. You feel better. And it's the one thing that you can do for yourself. And maybe it's not the gym, you know, maybe it's no, yeah. uh, jujitsu or maybe it's boxing or tennis or, but especially uh, I'm going to say as like, as men that were trained as warriors or, mm. Or people that are just like, you know, built like alpha. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah, yeah. You got to have some outlet. Yeah. With COVID, us working all from home now, and you're trapped inside with your spouse. And, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say this, but like, a, and, you know, Mary's not here to attest to that. She's a lot happier when I go out and hang out with the I believe it. No, I believe or it. Or when I go to the gym or, because if I'm just at home, man, it's bad. Yeah. You got to get out. I believe you know? it. No, that's. That's, I, I, I've heard that a lot from people is, you know, I, well, I didn't fight with my girlfriend or my husband or wife before, but we were around each other every day for three, four months. And then it, you know, there was a lot of relationships that ended because of COVID. But I think that the bottom line is, and I think we talked about this in one of our previous episodes was you having an outlet is important. And like you said, it doesn't have to be the gym, but it has to be something. I mean, like, you know, like we talked about you and your outlet, you like to play video games, which uh, there's, as long as you have something, that's what matters. The, the problem arises when you just kind of sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Cause like you said, you have, you have, you know, sergeants and you have superior officers and you have all these people that are really just do this, do that, do this, do that. And then you, you don't have anyone doing that. And you get so used to it that yeah like you said you know you're, okay so what do i do now you know well and, and you know let's talk a little bit about uh people you know veterans in corporate america you know where they uh, you know what i mean like it 
it seems like it's going to be an easy transition. Yeah. <laughs> seems like it, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be easy until you come across people that get offended very easily or you come across uh, you know just uh, different protocols that you weren't used to and and uh, there's HR there and there's uh, a lot of different things because you feel like you can't express yourself you know or um, those are tough places man and, and it's hard to adapt to corporate rules and but I will say that there's a lot of great companies there that you know, they, they try to, they focus on veterans. They yeah. like, I think Dell or EMC at the time, at least Dell EMC, I would say Dell still does it probably too, but mm -hmm. great with veterans, you know, like federal programs, uh, um, global support programs, or, you know, where they train people as they come out of the military. Those are great opportunities to look for if, if you're trying to transition mm -hmm. into the civilian world. The tech space is crazy. You know, it's very, yeah. uh, you know, and it's great. I, I love it. I, I love the, at being a manager in the tech space. And is that what you do now? Now I'm in, in tech sales. Okay. Oh, tech I do marketing. I do software stuff. Yeah, Boy, but, I've heard some, I've heard some big money makers out of that industry. I hope so, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I haven't seen it yet, I but hope I, so. <laughs> I like crypto too, but I, I hope so on the, on the software. Um, no, you know, I think that it's there's some so many great opportunities as you're transitioning out of the military yeah to find these big companies that look to help goldman sachs is a great one i think wells fargo probably does that too. he works for a subsidiary of them of goldman sachs yeah there's all these great programs and there's gi bill benefits you know there's education benefits there's you know and i want to say this out so that you know it's yeah people in the community can Absolutely. hear about this that vocational rehab at the VA, you know, all these different ways of gaining training so that you can position yourself for your best opportunities. You know, I, I honest, I use my GI bill to go get my master's degree. So I didn't have to, yeah, absolutely. I didn't pay for it, but I, I felt like I earned it. Right. Yeah. 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 It was a uh, three, it took me three years. Um, wow. But uh, you know, it's uh, there's all these different opportunities as you get out of the military, but it's hard to be in corporate America and it, Take some patience. Um, one of the things we're trying to do with the Vet Cave is educate corporations here in the Silicon Slopes area. Uh, we have a, a meeting coming up with Dell EMC. Actually, uh, we connected with uh, Sam Lyra. He's one of the he's the president of the Vet Circle there. Okay, uh, it's a diversity group, and so we're going to go on site, teach them about benefits, but also educate the managers, the leadership. You know, do some sensitization training where if you have veterans what to look for if there's ptsd miss you know uh, symptoms or how you know because it, it sucks man to work in a right to work state right where you can get fired for any reason but your mental health right <laughs> and you didn't get a chance to fight for yourself or at least get a break or some level of accommodation for you know some type of issue that you're struggling with one thing I'm curious about that you said, so how, what is, what does the sensitivity training look like? I mean, with companies that are more vet friendly, I mean, is that, let's say, let's look at it on two scopes. You have a company that's not vet friendly. Well, I shouldn't say not vet friendly, but not exactly. Um, I can think of some. Well, so they're not conscious of it. They're not, conscious. and not all vet veterans are perfect, man. No, no, no. no. Let's, yeah. let's just throw that yeah. disclaimer out. So there's some shitty veterans out there that take, <laughs> there's people in the guard, in the reserves that take advantage of their employers, you know, and human beings are human beings. So but, what is, what is that? 
a company that's not really catering to vets more so than like, you know, Delmar, like you were saying that um, learning about benefits, but is that just like, oh, well, this guy is acting out because he's a dick and they let him go? Or how does that look on the scope of just a company that's not really sensitive to that? If that makes sense, it's kind of a roundabout way to ask that. I mean, quickest way to fix a problem is you get rid of them, right? Or mm-hmm. you, um, I, I can think of a couple of examples, but uh, just of, uh, it's easy to accuse someone of being uh, a misogynist or, or oh, being yeah. direct yeah. yeah, or being, you know, or they confuse uh, being an asshole for just being bold and direct. You know? That's fair. I worked with some uh, Russians and that's just how their culture is. So you have to deal with a, that. It, it's an interesting thing, man. It's like, and so it's a hard place to adapt to, you know? Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think that in, in this state, it's very difficult. And it's something that uh, I'm hoping for a chance with Congressman Owens at some point, even to talk to him and bring up this, this need, you know, for more attention and just more awareness uh, for HR professionals, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for my, my experience with management in corporate America was kind of interesting because there is a big lack of leadership. Most managers are people that didn't, well, I'm not going to say most, but there's a lot of managers out there that hated their individual contributor jobs uh, and move into leadership to try to get away from doing the work. Right. And, yeah. and so then you have really bad leadership. Uh, you have a bunch of, you know, time schedule keepers and, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, and they're all in meetings and not really doing productive things for their teams. And so it's a a part of our sensitization is just to how to empower that veteran in your space, because you got a leader right there. You got someone that's actually willing to stay the extra hour if you ask. Yeah. You know, I I remember one of my employees. I love that guy. Unfortunately, he got let go for being too direct, probably, you know, but after I left, but uh, he was one of those guys that he would just, you told him what you needed specifically, you set the expectations, you know, do it. and he would go for it, you know? So how can we maximize the veteran in the workspace, right? It's basically a, a career development focused on, on the veteran and, and how to get the most out of that. Because there are so many skills that veterans come with that uh, I think could, uh, can help in, in different areas and business needs. Yeah. Uh, they're go-getters, you know, they, they understand training certifications, mm-hmm. they understand deadlines, equipment, uh, signing for a million dollars yeah. worth of stuff, you know, not losing your stuff, <laughs> you know, no, that's... Um, so yeah, um, that's what the, we want to try to focus more on is going into these corporations and establishing those relationships. Uh, and when we go to this, uh, we want to be able to bring other nonprofits with us. And, and really the vet cave is a community and, and with the aspiration of being a network of other nonprofits where mm-hmm. veterans can come to us and we know exactly where to yeah, send them because we don't have to do everything. You know, I mm-hmm. can't focus on guys that are about to blow their brains. Yeah. I've gotten many calls of people I don't even know, you know, and it's, it's hard to deal with that because I'm not a professional at dealing with, suicide prevention I do my best yeah you know and so there's organizations for that and and that's what I love about the non these nonprofits. Uh, the modern war fighter is struggling to find a place in the older nonprofit organizations mm. right they have a focus on the Vietnam fighter or the desert storm fighter or so the, there's all these new nonprofits coming trying to fill in space where the VA is struggling to keep up with 
you know, they can only help so many people. Yeah. Uh, it would be great if we had more access to government aid that yeah. wasn't as complex as, right. as these grants that you have to learn and almost have a law degree to find. <laughs> or if anyone out there wants to help the vet cave with <laughs> grant writing, man, that's figure out. I'm very grateful that. for that. But, um, you know, it's these new nonprofits that are coming up or trying to fill in that void. And, uh, you know, like service, I should have brought my service die. I don't even know why I didn't bring him. It was, he was all dirty from the snow and stuff. You know, <laughs> I left him there, but, uh, that, I've heard that's a big thing is pairing service animals with, um, or I'm sorry, service members with, an, with the, you know, animals. service members with, with service animals. animals. Yeah. They both have PTSD. We're both animals. <laughs> all animals. No, but, uh, it is amazing. Like, um, it's nice to be able to work and have someone right there mm -hmm. instead of having to take Adderall to be able to focus, you know, like, yeah. oh, I got someone here and nowhere to go. I'm not mm -hmm. in a rush. I can do this, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, for, for us, it was canine champions for veterans. Uh, the one that helped me um, and they were amazing, great organization as well, you know, and, and that's what it's all about is the VA has a lot of different things to offer. If the vet cave can be a community where yeah, yeah, veterans can come and get help from other nonprofits as well. You know, we're not trying to compete for fundraising. We just want to help the same person. Yeah. That's what you know? I've heard um, some other veteran friends, you know, they get out, fuck the VA, the VA is not going to, I mean, but but, then what? yeah, but then what, and, and I understand um, how, you know, my, my grandfather is a world war II vet. And so all of his appointments are at the VA and my dad will always struggle, you know, they'll have appointments for him. But one of the things that we struggled with for years is the VA keeping those appointments. And, you know, he's obviously not perturbed by it, uh, my father, but I know it can perturb other veterans. And, you know, they try and try and try and try. And they, well, I've tried everything. I mean, so it's, it's really good to hear that there's all of the, I, the, 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 the point is though, is making these other nonprofits known. So they, they can see these outlets, right? These outlets are in front of them instead of them saying, well, I tried the VA and that's all I can do. Yeah. And, 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 and now let's get into the shoes of the veteran, you know, because I've done a lot of events. We actually have an event uh, tomorrow. Uh, you both are invited. It's a bonfire. I, I saw that. And it will be cold as hell. But <laughs> I, we committed to it, man. And, yeah. you know, one thing I learned about the army is that if you got the right gear, you're good. Yep. You know, you're yep. coming. So, uh, but, you know, it's, we're very much focused on doing these events and keeping the conversation going, having people come and, and also have other nonprofits come so that it becomes an enhanced experience, uh, yeah. you know, and, and rather than us making the effort of planning all these events for people to come, it's easy for us to just find out where the events of other nonprofits are. Oh yeah. And then go party yeah. crash it yeah, to enhance it too, you know, yeah. and, and uh, make it a positive experience. The veteran though, doesn't come out. That yeah. is a challenge for us to get out of our little vet cave. Your vet. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very comfy. You to got be home you got insulation and, and cable in there. What else do you need? Yeah, there. Oh man, there, there's a. Oh, I got a massage chair for my birthday yesterday. <laughs> so now I have a massage chair. And that's that's awesome. I did an hour of massage. Right? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> While answering emails. <laughs> um, but uh, you know that is the challenge of of uh, that I think nonprofits and these events that are to help veterans, you know, find their community. Just trying to get them to show up. It's to get them to show up. And, and, and that's why I say the healing starts with the veteran. The veteran yeah. has to want it. You know, it's hard to, I can't 
you can't go over there and drag them out of their house but it's gonna be awesome we're gonna have live music we're gonna have a fire you know i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring a space heater like or you know those propane ones um dress warm so you just you basically you just put these events on you say hey come on out you know come hang out with us and yeah then that's really where you say it's up to them then yeah to connect and and uh be part of it you know we'll uh we'd like to build a vet cave every veterans day um i while i had ankle surgery i decided so ray was going to help me right through ankle surgery Mm -hmm. i was going to go to the gym with him and it was Mm going to be great yeah (laughs) and then i realized i couldn't drive yeah and uh maybe i could have driven with my left but i didn't feel comfortable with with that and um so anyway uh, that was the plan and it just ended up not working right Mm -hmm. and so i got a real estate license and uh i did the course and uh josh infield one of the board members he owns a a, he's an associate broker and he owns a brokerage called the infield team Mm -hmm. um and so we're partnering up together and uh i'm just very excited for this next chapter yeah Uh, the goal is to really be very focused on veterans helping veterans um, any home that sells through the brokerage, a uh, significant donation. He gave $5,000 last time wow. to the vet cave. And so then the vet cave can keep doing these uh, yeah, yeah. events, you know, the post-traumatic growth stories. Uh, we want to build one vet cave a year as well, where community comes out. The cool thing about Delta is that we had to camp. Oh yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But, but the goal is to get everyone out. It feels like drill, but without the BS, like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're there on a mission yeah. to help someone. You yeah, know the task. Thing. It's just amazing. Uh, yeah. We had Sling TV really uh, help us uh, in one of the caves. They okay. sponsored it. Uh, that was amazing that they came out at Crossroads Technology, another tech company, mm-hmm. came out with their employees. So we build these team building activities for these organizations where they can send their employees out. Right, the employees donate as well. Uh, the organization donates, and they know that the screws that they're holding, they bought. Yeah. You know, they're standing in the veterans property, the family's there thanking them. You know, it becomes this very awesome charitable uh team building experience for the corporations and and the community comes, you know, it's you get to hear stories from veterans and you know, like everyone has a drill sergeant story, you know, or yeah. or as a, you know, a, well, I'd, I'd love to um, connect you with my president of my organization. I think that be would amazing. be I think that's that'd be great. We're um, actually one of the fastest growing companies in Utah. So, um, having that, um, as a feather in our cap, would I think be huge and it would help you guys because, um, my, my president's very giving, he likes doing that kind of stuff. He's not a veteran, but he just likes helping people. So that's amazing. I'd love to, I'd love to put you in contact with him. Yeah. I could say one thing in this whole entire uh, episode. Hmm. Um, I, I was actually just about to say that as well. Um, so my company, we love doing all sorts of volunteer work. Um, so I, I would love to be able to connect and, and see if we could even help you as well. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool to get both of you to if you if you guys are down, like we can do a Veterans Day plan for next year. Absolutely, with the, you know, with the new budgets coming out uh, for the companies. <laughs> Absolutely, the drunk and boys will show up, and we'll the drunk boys show up, <laughs> bring your companies out, you yeah. know, and uh, we could definitely build a cave. There's so many great ones out there that are just waiting to be built, man. Like yeah. a barbershop in the really? backyard uh you know because the idea is that they run a business out of that yeah. space you got to have some purpose behind right. it or you just yeah. isolate in there barbershop we got uh one wants to just be a writer out of his cave okay. uh this other uh, amazing uh veteran uh he did a, a chair that 
it's like a hiker's chair that can mm -hmm. hang from a tree. Oh, wow. And now he just did a self-standing one as well. But, you know, it's nice that they can have that little office space away. Yeah. It works for me. You know, it, it kind of separates home from work. And uh, it just, uh, I think that there's a lot to do. So let's make it happen. No, absolutely. <laughs> we'll do it. That's, that's great. We'll exchange some information after the show and um, we'll get it going, man. Awesome. We'll get it going. Cause we're, uh, we're sold. I mean, you're, you have a, you have a great sales pitch. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, whatever two beers, <laughs> <laughs> whatever two beers gets me. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome, man. I, um, you have a you have a great story that I'm excited to share with the rest of our listeners, um, and um, you know a, a company that's giving people another sense of purpose. You know, it's it's doing that iron, you know, the the iron church and tennis or soccer or whatever. It's giving these guys an outlet. They're having that thing, whether mm -hmm. it's writing, building chairs, or you know, having a massage chair in their in their cave and just relaxing and. Um, that's awesome, man. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come out and visit with us and uh, tell your side of your story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Sean, you've it's been a, very talkative this whole show. So, so talkative. <laughs> Just enjoying a beer and yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, um, thanks everyone for joining us. Um, Sean, I'll let you take it out. Again, Leo, thank you very much for coming. We really appreciated it. It's been an and honor. You're always welcome back to the basement. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so thanks everyone for joining us on another episode of Drunk Boys Basement. Interested in finding where else you can catch us? Follow us on Facebook. Find something you want the Drunk Boys to research and talk about next time. Let us know. And if you like hanging out, uh, share our Facebook page or go to drunkboysbasement.com. <laughs> the last thing I do want to say is how could people find that cave? vetcave.org okay okay there's a space there for uh, information about corporations okay. donations uh upcoming projects we'll be updating that soon uh and events as well uh facebook page and instagram okay mm -hmm. going forward i would like to put vetcave.org on our page and on episodes we post so people can find it easier that'd be amazing thank you you got it so y'all go, you, got, you guys can uh, catch Vet Cave on all of our, what, what's it called? All of our mediums, yeah. media. There we go. <laughs> catch y'all next Friday. And remember, please listen responsibly. Bye.